In today's episode, we tackle some questions on NFP that were sent by our audience following last week's episode, but we also address issues of infertility and how to trust in God's plan. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as His disciples. Deanna, how are you? Good, good. Um, It's exciting to be back. We had NFP Awareness Week last week. That was a really fun episode. It sparked a lot of really good discussion around NFP, fertility awareness. Um, We had a lot of really good conversations on the Institute Facebook page. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, And also a lot of really great articles that were in the Catholic East Texas about um, with dealing with infertility, not infertility, but infertility was one of the articles, but NFP, um, from a priest perspective, um, you wrote an article, your husband wrote an article. Um, there was just a lot of really, really great content, I think last week. So check out the Catholic East Texas articles from last week, um, with NFP. They were stellar. I thought we'll put those in the, the show notes too. And the other thing that I was really impressed with was that just the general conversation around NFP, Last week was beautiful, and it was almost from like the secular and the religious side. If you were on Instagram, there's just so many more resources available now than there were 11 years ago when I started working in full-time ministry, and just seeing how there's really been this push towards, well, fertility awareness is part of women's health, and if we're all about empowering women, fertility is part of it. Right, right. (laughs) So, well, this week, as kind of a follow-up, one of the things we wanted to do was answer some questions that were brought up in the Facebook group. And then also um, to really highlight your journey um, with infertility, because you had that article in the CET, Mm -hmm. which was beautiful. Everyone needs to go read it. Um, But the way that you speak about your journey, I think, is really helpful um, to those who are are going through that. So I want to make sure we (laughs) have time to to go through that. You're so kind. I'm I'm excited. I just, I love talking to you, Mickey. Same. (laughs) So one of the questions um, that was submitted, and I think it really ties in well with what we were talking about last week, that NFP is not contraception, right? Mm -hmm. We established that natural family planning is fertility awareness plus discernment. And the thing that really makes NFP different than contraception is that it allows a couple to remain open at all times, right? There's all, it's, the sexual act is always ordered towards life. Um, periodic abstinence is um, part of the, the journey and that that is sacrificial. Um, and it's always about discernment. That's always about praying about what is God calling our particular family to. So this question I think is excellent. Um, just really reflecting on that and like, okay, well, what happens when you think that you may be done? So, you know, what if you're at a point in your life where you're really not feeling open to having more children, you know, your limits physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, et cetera. And you feel that you've prayerfully discerned that God has given you the family that you have. Um, and it is how it should be. Um, sometimes I struggle with the idea that I don't want to be the Duggar family and don't necessarily 
necessarily feel that God wants that for all of us either? Excellent question. I think that's that's where a lot of folks are, especially mm-hmm. after you've had several children or even if you've had one or two. Um, do you want to start answering that or you want me to? Um, well, I can just my just my thoughts, because I know and later we'll talk about like our practice of NFP was to achieve a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I definitely don't. I'm not sort of in that lane of like um, feeling maybe a little anxious of the um, a birth of another child. Right. Or the overwhelming part that can come with that especially if you have other littles at home but one of the things that I would say is uh, even if a person if a family has nine kids let's just say that's a lot this is an example Um, and they're like I just can't see me as the Duggars Duggars have what 18 20 I mean it's a a lot lot. (laughs) so to go from nine to 18 in my mind is a large jump and absolutely that's not possible right and so I think my thought is that you're you're only discerning the next step. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and then as we grow, like I think we should always be open, right? God is is knocking. He's we are never um, in the sense done with our mission, but the mission may look different. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so to always be open. And it's okay if you feel overwhelmed going from like nine to 18 kids, because I don't think we're made for that, right? Right. It's it's one at a time, right? And so the discernment, it's a constant like monthly discernment, mm-hmm. or maybe not even monthly, like to engage in um, the marital act with your spouse, like that there should be discernment there. Like, okay, we are, we're open. Is this what we're, is this what yeah. we're saying, right? Yeah. Or do we need yeah. to practice abstinence at this point? But I think that that is the beauty of how God's relationship with humanity is, although it's mm. really challenging and really difficult, mm-hmm. but that constant consulting with God. And so uh, I think always being open, like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, Because I want what you want, even though what I want right now may not be what you want for me. <laughs> Help me to desire what you desire for me. And I think that that is a prayer that should really be everyone's prayer regardless of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we're discerning and um, following the teachings of the faith and talking with our spouse, praying that God will lead us. Yeah. I re- I'm confident that God, God is, is not going to abandon us in right. those moments when we're really trying. But on the other end, I would also say be open. And sometimes God is going to call us to do scary things, mm-hmm. difficult things, <laughs> challenging things. But sometimes I think he just wants to know if we're willing to yeah, give it all. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he's going to take it all. Exactly. So I don't know. Did exactly. that make sense? No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes sense. And I think you highlighted that beautifully that we need to take it to prayer daily. And we don't have to... Um, we we don't have to jump ahead. It's almost like God wants our yes from cycle to cycle, right? Yeah. Just being open, being open. That as long as we are, um, as long as we remain open to the possibility of life, and we allow room for God to act, that that's that's almost like the biggest step. Um, I know for a lot of couples is, are you at least leaving room for God to move? To, yeah. to, and so like, is the act always gonna be ordered towards the possibility of life, even if 
you are abstinent during the fertile times and you wait until the luteal phase um, to to resume relations. Um, so don't interrupt that, but really taking that to prayer. Um, and our behavior has to reflect the discernment. If you and your spouse have discerned like right now or indefinitely is not a good time for us to um, have more children, again, like being open and allowing our behavior to reflect that. But that means that um, during the fertile phase, when ugh, your spouse be looking real nice, <laughs> <laughs> it means that we're going to go play Monopoly right. or, or we're going to check out a new show um, or pray together. I mean, right. all the things, right? Yeah. But in all seriousness, like your behavior has to reflect that mm -hmm. discernment um, if you really have taken that to prayer because like we said last week, we as Catholics especially, we never get to a point where um, it's like, all right, we're done, God. We're, our Honda Odyssey is full. <laughs> um, no more. Um, but there is a seriousness to knowing your limits. And I really right. like that she included that in the question. It's like, I know my limits physically, financially, emotionally. And personally, I can relate <laughs> to that. We had four kids in the first six years of our marriage, not because NFP didn't work. It worked very well, <laughs> it worked very well. But knowing that that's a lot. I can also share after the birth of my third, I really thought, okay, I think we're good. We can have, we're going to take a break um, or have a little bit more of a gap because my kids are, are pretty close in yeah. age. And I was like, okay, third one. And I found out I was pregnant with my fourth um, when my when my daughter Elena was nine months old. And at that point I was like, how? <laughs> how on earth are we supposed to do this? But without, without going into a whole, whole bunch of detail, I can tell you that God is so faithful. God is so faithful and so trustworthy and he isn't outdone in generosity. And what I thought was impossible, I was like, there's no way we can have four kids in um, this close together. The fruit and the beauty um, that we've seen as a family and the timing of everything, like my son was born right before the pandemic started. If it had been on my timing, I don't even know <laughs> what would have happened. But there's, I mean, personally, I can share um, all of these little things that, that um, that God has done in our lives, but I can just, I can just, I just want to emphasize that God is trustworthy. So yes, continue taking it to prayer. That is absolutely the first step. Your behavior reflects that discernment, mm -hmm. but continue to just ask God, like, what are you, what are you calling us to? But excellent yeah. question. Um, another question that came in was, okay, so how do you remain open to life and trusting in God when you have had multiple losses, so multiple miscarriages. Um, I have had one miscarriage and I can't, I cannot even imagine um, going through that more than one time. Um, there's a, a podcast episode for the St. Philip Institute where our executive director, Dr. Stacy, she shares her journey with multiple losses. Um, she had five losses um, back to back and just hearing her testimony is very powerful. Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me at that point was um, taking it a day at a time, yeah. like trusting in God from moment to moment. Um, and I mean, even for you, Mickey, I mean, as like not being able to to achieve pregnancy when you wanted to, are there things that are helpful were helpful for you um and i know it's different but um as far as like knowing that god is trustworthy 
what are things that remind you of that in, in intense suffering? Man, I think just, I mean, honestly, just believing it, like just believing that God loves us, but also understanding that just because he loves us with a love that is so intense and so great and unconditional, that doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. And I think for me, I don't like suffering at all. I try to avoid it at all costs, Mm -hmm. but if Christ is going to lay down his life for us, which he did, Mm -hmm. then there is going to be that same calling in my life that I'm going to call be called to lay down even some of my like deepest desires that are good, mm. right? They may be good desires and holy desires and God may ask me to lay, lay that down. Mm. And I hope to be able at some point in my life to be at a place where I can do that without hesitancy mm-hmm. and with joy. Yeah. I am not there yet. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, don't ask that of me. Don't ask that of me. Mm-hmm. Or I can't go through this again. Yeah. And I think for me, it was just like, just trusting that God is good. And, and also we may not even understand why things happen the way that they do. We may never get to, that an- to the answer. And so I stopped asking the question why because I don't think it was it was an answer I would ever get. Mm-hmm. And so it just became, okay, Lord, help me to love you more as we journey through this very difficult time. And um, I mean, I don't know if that's what you were asking. Yeah, but. yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. I know for me, and after, um, after our miscarriage, I experienced an anger towards God that I had never mm. experienced before. I didn't even realize that that was possible. And I remember going into the Adoration Chapel and saying, like, you're a jerk. You are a jerk. And just like, I don't know, I don't even, I don't even want to look at you right yeah. now. And... I think there was a, it was uh, right before Christmas and we went to like the Christmas Eve mass and and all that. And it was like zero joy. Um, I found a lot of consolation in going to the blessed mother during Mm -hmm. that time. And just like, I don't want to talk to your son. I don't even, (laughs) mm -mm. I can't, but I will trust, I will walk with you. And I just want to like entrust myself into your hands. Um, Mama Mary and just help me because I am having a real hard time even just looking <laughs> at your son. And I don't know if there was ever a moment, because um, we actually ended up getting pregnant um, a lot quicker than we thought we would after that miscarriage. And I, I was just terrified. I was like, I I don't even know if I can be happy about um, this, per- this, this new life because I don't know if I can trust God. I don't know if I can trust my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but realizing like one day at a time in that each life, no matter how long it exists, each life is so precious and so sacred um, and taking that to prayer. So I I don't even know if I have an answer to the question, but baby steps, um, walk with um, our mom, walk with Mama Mary um, and just entrusting, entrusting ourselves to the Lord. Um, and as so I've, I've only gone through it once, but and that was so difficult. So again, I just pray for all those who have experienced multiple losses, um, because it's it's unimaginable. It's not a pain that I would I would wish on anyone, um, but that God is in it. And I think you said that beautifully, Mickey. Like God is with us in each step of the way, and He will give us exactly what we need to to kind of take the next step. So 
Yeah. Awesome. A couple more questions. Um, one, um, best ways to navigate postpartum NFP because <laughs> that is one of the most most fun times for for <laughs> NFP. Um, the I think the basic things I would just say is one, connect with your instructor. Um, if hopefully if if you, hopefully you're already familiar with NFP, but if not, um, in those first few weeks postpartum. Um, connect with your instructor, ask about, you know, whatever the protocols are, get support and ask questions and also evaluate is the method that you're using the best one for you right now. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, it's a great time to (laughs) to switch methods, Um, but ask questions, get the support that you need. If the method you're using isn't working, it's okay to switch. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, would you add anything to that? No, I just know that it. when I was looking at methods, it was really overwhelming because there's a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even yeah. know. But because our situation was different, our doctor would only let us use one type of charting. So that yeah. made the decision easy. easy. There you go. <laughs> but but just, and I just want to throw this out. Like, it is going to be overwhelming. There are lots of choices. Mm-hmm. But there's also lots of resources yeah. and people who can walk you through learning how to really master um, a method. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, and that goes well with this final question. What is the best method? And I'll pause here and everyone can yell into their car stereos. <laughs> <laughs> Spillings, it's Marquette, it's Creighton. Um, the correct answer to that question is the best method is the one that works best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some people who got some strong opinions on um, which method is the most elite, which one is the most accurate, which one gives you the best information. The truth is that the best method is the one that's going to work best for your situation. Um, and what method you used in one season of life may not be the best method for you four kids later and that's okay it's okay Mm -hmm. to switch methods so just think about what you need um, especially if you're just getting started Um, I know we mentioned Emily Frazee and um, her websites Um, she's got some really good resources as far as like things to consider when choosing a method think about your daily schedule um, your personality type do you like a lot of information do you want as much data as possible Do you want a monitor to tell you (laughs) just the facts (laughs) about where you are? Do you want to do a lot of observation? Um, Like for me personally, I I can't use, this is for me and and don't come at me. I can't (laughs) use, um, for me, symptothermal, taking your temperature every day um, at the same time every day wouldn't work well for me because I am up all during the night with little ones. Um, so things like that, things to consider. Um, and th- there's all kinds of like femtech um, gadgets and gizmos mm-hmm. um, for people to use. There's an armband, so I did that. There's an armband that you can wear um, to take your temperature throughout the night to make situations like that easier. But um, but think about your situation. For mm-hmm. me personally, I went from using Billings to Marquette because I wanted really objective information. I want to think about it. I don't want yeah. I don't want to think about my observations. I just want to <laughs> look at my monitor and say thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. Very and good. I I just want to also say like all methods are going to require work. Yes. So, I, yes. I what I want to steer that. people away from is like <laughs> trying to pick the easiest method yeah. because that's not what this that's not what this whole <laughs> right. thing is about. I mean, right. um it should be a method that you feel confident that here's the things that I should be observing or looking at, or this is the result that I want. And for some people, you might have to do a lot of observation. It's gonna Mm -hmm. be really overwhelming. 
Yeah. Um, for some people, maybe they don't need that. But just to just to not go with the easiest one or the one that has the less training sessions. That, so or I the just want to method. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And work with a certified instructor. The reason we have number four is because we thought we could teach ourselves <laughs> a new method. And I'm so glad <laughs> that we have number four. Um, but the value of working with someone mm -hmm. who's trained yeah. and can walk with you and, and all that, and it won't be easy. It's not going to be as easy as like, oh, just take this pill or put in this apparatus. Right. It requires discipline and um, consistency, all of that. But it's so it's so worthwhile from fertility awareness, from a health perspective, and also um, aiding in your discernment as a couple. And from here, I would really like to jump into your story a, a little bit, Mickey, because um, like this journey with infertility, I know one of the questions that that comes up a lot, and I know we had an episode last year where you kind of shared the details of what mm -hmm. that was like, and you've adopted two children, mm -hmm. you were able to conceive Samuel because of NAPRO technology, yeah. which is amazing. Um, well, one thing that I, I would I really want to ask is, you know, what are the things that are helpful as far as like accompanying our friends or family members who may be struggling with infertility? How can we support them or what are things that like we should or should not say um, to those that we know may be struggling with? This? I would absolutely say what you should not say is oh, just stop stressing about it and it will happen. OK. That is doesn't help anybody. That is not because then I will tell you that the woman, um, well, because we knew in my my situation that I was the one that was having the issue. So when people tell me, oh, just stop stressing about it, it's probably all this stress, then it also it made me feel like double broken. Mm. So my body I felt was broken mm. and not able to perform, like to be able to conceive a child and to um, bring that pregnancy to fruition mm -hmm. and have a baby. So I already felt very much less of a woman, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. So when people would tell me, well, stop stressing, then it made me feel like, oh, so now my emotional state is also the reason. So there's like a double blame. My body's not working and now I feel like you're telling me my mind isn't working mm. or I'm not in the right state of mind. So that was not helpful. Mm. So I would just say like, don't. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. <laughs> you could just say, I'm really sorry you're carrying this cross. Yeah. Is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. And most likely the answer is not really, or you can pray. Mm -hmm. um, but I would also, and I'm, I'm gonna say this also to, to women who are struggling with infertility. I think sometimes um, my like friends were hesitant to tell me if they were pregnant. Like they were scared mm. to approach me because they're like, oh, we know that she's been having such a hard time. So then there became this sort of like walking on eggshells. Mm. I want to be in relationships with my friends. I want to be in relationships with my family. And so, um, I had to be at a point where I could truly celebrate the joy of others. So mm -hmm. I never wanted them to keep that from me. Um, Cause I am, yes, I will be sad because I'm like, I want that, you know, a little bit of jealousy, but that's my stuff to work out. Like I never want to impose like, just because I'm sad about my situation, which is understandable. I don't want other people to feel sorrow for the joy of their situation mm -hmm. because they don't want to hurt my feelings. Like, no, this is incredible. Like, I want to share that. And I think what was hard is knowing that people were trying so hard to protect me that they weren't sharing mm. their life with me. Yeah. And um, I'm going to have to go off to my own room and to adoration to deal with my own stuff mm -hmm. because that's the journey that God yeah. has me on. And that's fine. But to not, like, 
feel like you're walking around eggshells around your friend who's struggling with infertility, I, I hope and pray that it's a that your relationship is in a place where you can share joys and sorrows. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Oh, no, that's beautiful. And the other thing, or another question, um, I know that there are so many couples, and I've, I've spoken with couples before who are like, children are a gift. Children are a blessing. We want to do whatever it takes to have a baby. And our doctor has said IVF is the only way. And I'm really struggling with the church's teaching on um, on like why IVF is wrong. Like my doctor is saying like IVF will work for us. Um, what would you say to those who are really struggling to trust that what the church says is true because their desire for a child is so strong mm-hmm. um, because children are a gift, children are yeah. a blessing. Um, but yeah, how, how, how can we help or yeah, support those who are struggling with that? Sure. So a few things. First, I want to point people to um, a, a few paragraphs in the catechism. So if this is something that you're struggling with, I do encourage you pick up your catechism and read sections um, or paragraphs 2373 through 2379, because it does deal a lot with like infertility and the gift of a child and, and couples who struggle with um, receiving that gift. Uh, to sit with that in prayer, okay? Um, so just to look at those numbers. Again, it's 2373 to 2379. And I also want to say, like, it is good to desire a good, right? Mm-hmm. But to also understand that children are a gift. They are not something that are owed to us. God does not, he's not obligated to give anybody a child. Mm. And so just to sort of... I guess, understand where we are in our mindset. Like, okay, God, you owe this to me instead of saying this is a gift. And whether if God wants to freely give it, I will graciously accept it. And if he chooses to withhold it, okay, I'm going Mm. to, I'm going to trust, right? Which is really hard to do in the pain and in the sorrow. And, and I think that, that this sort of idea can come about with all kinds of things in life. Like, I, I desire this good and I will do everything that I can to get it. Mm. But we have to understand that we have to be guided by God's hand. We have to be guided by God's hand. And God has already given us in like in order to nature and how things works. The church has given us um, instruction on what is appropriate ways to deal with um, infertility mm-hmm. and what are moral ways and what are immoral ways. And... So just to trust, like, I'm going to follow the church's teaching. I'm going to follow the church's teaching. Um, and then just be confident that you're following God's will, right? Mm. And that whatever happens. But I, I also understand, I think I'm simplifying it, but I also understand that's really difficult because you want a good. But I just briefly want to talk about some of the things that are just not good with IVF. Um, in vitro, surrogacy, um, I mean, there's a whole section um, uh, in the catechism that talks about the things that are gravely immoral. So, um, techniques that entail the dissociation of husband and wife, meaning in the marriage, there is no unitive, unitive yeah. aspect to the marital act. It's just the, the, I wouldn't even say procreation of children. It is the reproduction of children. Cause mm. there's a difference, yeah. right? To reproduce literally means to manufacture again, Procreative suggests man supporting God in his creation. And mm. there's no like procreative thing happening yeah. when you're using 
um, techniques that disassociate um, the unitive and the procreative act. Um, and one of the other things, and I see this as a huge issue with IVF, and I, I don't want to come across as if I am judging people who have used that practice, because I don't even think it's something that people even think about before they do that. But with IVF, besides just taking the unitive act out of the picture, what happens is there are a number of human life, right, that begins. There are, are, are a lot of embryos that are created yep. um, mm-hmm. in this whole process of IVF. And uh, the last time I checked, I think it was like over half a million, and I'm sure that number is far greater now, um, of frozen embryos um, mm-hmm. that are sitting there waiting because either um, a couple successfully achieved a pregnancy through IVF or they didn't and that's just an exhausting process and it's really expensive. And I would even say that's a, that is such a grave um, injustice towards these humans who yeah. have a right to live their yeah. life. I mean, that is, yeah. that is a right. Yeah. I don't have a right to have kids, but once a life has started, they have a right to live. Mm. And I think that that is something that maybe is overseen in this whole process of like what's going to happen to these humans. Yeah. Um, it's that are, considered. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I think that's something that should absolutely be. Um, well, and this is one reason the church says it's wrong. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a pro life issue for sure, and I think what's what's really helpful in all of this too. And thank you so much for for sharing your story. And we'll put a link to last year's episode uh, where you went into a lot more detail mm-hmm. um, on your your journey and what that was like. Um, but for anyone who is struggling with the church's teaching on IVF, on surrogacy, on contraception, and a, a myriad of things, continue to wrestle with it. If you are struggling with it, keep wrestling with it because at least you are engaging in what what is God calling us to continue to ask questions, talk to your priests, look at what the church teaches and why that the church just doesn't say, she doesn't say just have as many children as humanly possible and just deal with it. (laughs) Right. That the church's teachings are beautiful. They're good. They are true. Um, and that God is trustworthy. And if you are struggling with that, continue to take it to prayer at the end of the day, like take it to God, take it to prayer. Um, and ask him to to show him to to show you what what the truth is, um, because if we just shut down and say like, well, the church is wrong, and I'm going to do whatever I want, mm-hmm. oh man, that's that's a big loss. And before we started, um, Stacy, our Dr. Stacy shared um, a quote from John Henry Newman with us that I think is is really good to consider as we um, as we just continue discerning like what is God calling for our family, like this whole idea that. Um, we may lose everything. We may live a life that is uncomfortable as Mm -hmm. Catholics. And the things that we believe, they're very countercultural, like being open to life, very countercultural. What we believe on on sex and marriage, all of that is very countercultural. We could lose everything, right? We could live lives that are uncomfortable. But he says, um, I have lost the perishable and gained the infinite. I have lost time and I have gained eternity. We could lose everything. We could be really uncomfortable on this earth. Um, But if we're doing what God is calling us to do, he will give us 
everything that we need to take the next step. So I just, just offer that encouragement, um, for anyone who is, um, yeah, just discerning what is God Mm -hmm. calling our family to in this particular season. Um, but yeah, this went really fast. Oh, way too fast. (laughs) I know there was so much, there was so much more. And I know that you had a beautiful quote, but can I end with like just one more tidbit? Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to all the people who are struggling with infertility. I want you to know that there is so much hope and research being Mm. done in the area of infertility that does not contradict Catholic teaching. It works with it. Um, And so maybe we can do a separate episode or like a little sneak peek or something. But if you are struggling with infertility, I encourage you to check out the Pope Paul VI Institute in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, Dr. Hilders has uh, developed uh, a scientific approach to treating infertility, um, and it's it's a lot, I'm not going to lie, but there is hope. There's so much science and wisdom, and it all works with um, having the couple being able to achieve a pregnancy in the way that God has intended it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I definitely want people to know that there is hope. You don't just have to like accept and then not do anything about it. There are absolutely places that you can go to receive help or information. So if there are any questions about infertility or where to go, um, we can always do another follow-up or just a quick Q and A, you know, on the Facebook live or something. Uh, but if you have questions about that, send them our way. Um, because I know we want, we want to give people the help that they need. Absolutely. And if you're in the diocese of Tyler, we have Creighton fertility care, medical consultants who can support you in that right here in the diocese, which is beautiful. And we need more. Um, so awesome. Well, we'll put a bunch of stuff in the show notes (laughs) today. Um, we invite you to check out the Facebook group, um, life beyond the chariot, um, on the St. Philip Institute page. We'll put a link there, um, to access it. We've had some really good conversations. People have asked questions. Um, and yeah, as we move into the fall, just wanting to know like what Mm -hmm. people want us to cover. I think we've got some ideas for upcoming episodes, but I'm always wanting it to be relevant to uh, what people are thinking. And you can email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. Thank you, Mickey. Uh, Thanks, Deanna. (laughs) That's great. Well, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, um, we thank you for the gift of life, love. Um, We thank you for the crosses that you have allowed us to carry and for being so trustworthy. Um, Lord, we ask that you give us the strength to take the next step with whatever you're calling us to whether it is walking this road of infertility or um, in our sufferings of loss um, or in just the overwhelming anxiety um, sometimes of, of not knowing like where, where are you calling us as a family? Um, we ask that you continue to give us the grace to take the next step, to trust you moment to moment and to know that you are good and that you are trustworthy and that you want what's best for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.